Welcome to the What If We Loved podcast with your hosts, Bruce and Shay Mason and Janie Hogan. In this podcast, we explore what the love of God the Father really looks like. We want to help you enter into a deeper experience of His love for you so you can better know who God is, who you are, and how to live a life in love every single day. Hey everyone, welcome back to the What If We Loved podcast with Bruce and Shay and Janie. How's everybody today? Hey, we're good. We're hot. We're hot. <laughs> we were just laughing when we started, but a lot of podcasts start with talking about the weather. So, so we're going to talk about the weather. <laughs> it's weather. hot in Raleigh. <laughs> it's, it's hot everywhere right now. I finally got my air conditioning fixed in my car. Did oh, I tell you guys? Well, no. I didn't get it fixed. But I got Freon added. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, So I can have air conditioning. (laughs) You would be melting today if you didn't have Yeah, Yeah, it was getting a little crazy. (laughs) I'm hoping our air conditioners keep up because I was told by the air conditioner guys that if the Freon runs out or whatever's in there, they can't actually refill it because of the government standards. Now they changed what you can fill it with. So you have to get like a new air conditioner? So you have to entirely replace the air conditioners now. Oh, snap. For the house? For the whole house. I mean, I don't have to yet because it's still working, but as soon as it, it... Dang. Yeah, I know. I know. So that's okay. Your you'll government fix it once at work. And then you'll wow, be good. thanks for that great news. <laughs> <laughs> she just starts crying on the podcast. <laughs> like, what is this? Anyway. Well, we um, today are going to talk about a topic that actually the three of us have talked a lot about yeah. and thought a lot about. It's something that is um, being talked a lot about in the church generally. And that's this whole idea of deconstruction. And that, I should say right off the bat, that that term means different things. It's a super loaded word. Super loaded word, but you might be most familiar with it in in the sense of people who have decided essentially to give up their faith. So they've gone through and said that all the stuff isn't real or valid or there's been too much pain or things that have happened to them. And they decided that, that they're just going to deconstruct, which means leave the faith ultimately. Is yeah. that a fair assessment? Well, that's, that's one version of it. Well, I mean, that's the one people might be most familiar of with. It, yeah. But they're, as we've discovered, discussing it and listening to some other podcasts and reading a lot of articles, you can define it in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So we want to kind of unpack that a bit here today yeah. and what, what is healthy and what is not healthy, what is something the church actually should be doing, pursuing, whereas what should the church not be involved in? Yeah. Because the, the reality is there's a lot of people who are having a lot of questions right now. Some of that is because of where we are in the culture. Some of that is from their own experiences growing up in a particular faith context um, yeah. and some of the teachings that were were taught to us. And so people, um, but there's people who are really struggling right now. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to remember that people who are, who would consider themselves deconstructing, whether they're going about it and I'm losing my faith entirely, or I'm reevaluating some of the things I picked up in my faith tradition, um, that across the board, they're people who are struggling and hurting yeah. and need to be met with love. Definitely. You know, in our heart, of course, in all of this is that that as people wrestle with things, that the one thing they don't actually throw out is Jesus. 
right. and the faith itself. Because actually, Jesus has all the answers to all the questions right. already. And so when you jettison Jesus, then you lose your actual source of yeah. the answers. It really, it makes me sad that a lot of the stories of deconstruction that I've read are people who grew up in a very particular uh, faith context that maybe was very fundamentalist, very mm-hmm. legalistic, very narrow, and and sometimes super, super unhealthy or toxic, you know, maybe even more cult-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then they throw they throw out Christianity entirely thinking that their experience of it is, is what Christianity is. And it's, it's not. And yeah. I, right. I just grieve when I see that happening. Cause I think, Oh, there's so much that you haven't experienced. And, and I honestly, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of years. Like what, what if we could meet those people who are hurting so much, who have experienced spiritual abuse or, you know, any or even people of, who had had actual, you know, there's, there's sexual abuse that's happening right. in yeah. the church. Any type of, of abuse because <laughs> the body of Christ should not be abusing. Let's just say that. No way, shape, or but form. But people who have gone through that and they they deconstruct all the way into you know nihilism or or new age. Mm-hmm. They just want something yeah, completely different. Something right. completely different. And and I get that you're so wounded and and you just want to close the door on that whole part of your life because it's painful. But what if we could meet those people and and catch them in their free fall, right. catch them with real love? Yeah. It reminds me of when we were talking about this before and you used the phrase baby in the bathwater. Mm. People are throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. And to me, that's really helped me in understanding the potential goodness of deconstruction, as we're calling it. Mm. Just throwing out the bathwater mm-hmm. without the baby right. would be great. Right. <laughs> that could be like the, the best mm. way of – I'm just going to say evaluating beliefs, mm-hmm. but the way we've seen people evaluate beliefs lately is throwing out the bathwater and the baby. Right. So you're like, it has this potential. I think that's the hard thing is there's so much potential for this to be a beautiful thing, but then people can't separate the good and the bad. Right. Like the bathwater may have gotten a little gross and disgusting and there may be things growing in it that shouldn't be there, <laughs> right. but that doesn't mean the baby Right. Is exactly. Bad. You know, and if- if we look at Jesus as the foundation of our faith, he's never going to abuse us. Yeah. He's never going to hurt us. That's not who he is. Mm-hmm. But people haven't encountered Jesus in yeah. that way. Well, why don't we um, just in our own ways, just we can each offer just a, an example of how we've deconstructed or, yeah, or like for the lack of a better word, yeah. you know, how, how things, how God had to show us that things that we believed actually weren't in alignment yeah. with yeah. where his heart is. Cause we all, we all pick up things, you know, we're, none of us are ever going to have it a hundred percent correct. Right. So we all pick up things mm-hmm. on our faith journey that are not actually Jesus. Yeah. So it is helpful to evaluate, to think critically right, and, and to bring it back to God and say, is this you? Yeah. I need to. I need to understand, and he, and he can he can bring that revelation. And there's a real fear, I think. Well, certainly I had that fear, but I know it's there. Um, to ask these kinds of questions, to really to to question anything. Well, yeah, and I mean, I would say that's a big part of my story is that I was terrified coming into sort of evangelical Christianity in the early '90s. You know, after searching for many years and and 
thinking very critically about this. Do, do I want to follow Jesus? And because I was very much a head person, I approached it that way, but then coming into this church culture where I was told, well, now you don't get to question. Now you just have to, to believe what the Bible says, believe what the pastor says. And, and, and I'm not saying don't believe what the Bible says, obviously, <laughs> just to clarify, but, but we can have misunderstandings about what we're reading there. And so I would take all these things and even listening to Christian radio um, in the late nineties, I would listen to that on my ride home from work. And I thought, yeah, well, too. as a Christian, that's what I need to be listening to. And I look back now and yikes, some of the programs that I was listening to, there was some bad junk I was picking up and very, um, yeah, very like so legalistic, legalistic and, you know, just this idea that doubt is something you should never, ever fall into. Like that's the worst thing for a Christian. Oh. And, and so then because I was someone who struggled with doubt, it put a whole lot of shame on me. Right. And I felt like, oh my goodness, maybe I'm not even a Christian. And it was this, this, it seemed like this icky, dark secret that I had, oh, I have doubts, but I can't let anyone know. Like I have to look good on the outside. Like, oh yes, I believe all of this. And God, thankfully, really relieved me of that fear after after a few years. But I, I read a fantastic book on doubt by Alistair McGrath, actually, a terrific theologian. And he was just so honest about it and saying, no, every Christian, if they're being honest, every Christian has had doubts. This is not mm. something to be ashamed right. of. Yeah. And I just felt like, oh, I can breathe. It's okay. And yeah. I can actually take my questions to God. But I had to let go of that baggage. And it was weighing me down for yeah. a long time. Yeah, it's like da doubt is, does not equate to sin. It's like, right. and that's the thing is if I, if I have doubts, oh, that's sinful to have doubts. Right. Look, if I ask questions, that's Thomas, sinful to ask questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, poor Thomas gets known as doubting Thomas throughout <laughs> right. all of history. But I mean, he established a church in India. I mean, traditionally, that's what we believe. Right. Um, Obviously, he had a pretty firm faith. I always really felt bad for him because, did we talk about this before, that all the other disciples were there <laughs> when Jesus showed himself, and so they didn't even have that much room to doubt, right, and right. then Thomas wasn't there, and so he's like, I'm going to believe it when I see it, but they probably all would have done that. Right. I mean, I imagine. He Maybe just, not. He was just being honest, and yeah. then, but the beautiful thing is that Jesus met him right where he was. Right. He didn't condemn him. Yeah. yeah. It's the question of what you do with the doubts right. and what God wants to do with the doubts. I mean, if you take the doubts and you follow that train all the way down to, uh, well, none of this could possibly be true. Mm. So I'm going to give it up. Then that's a problem. But if you say, if you're honest with God and say, God, I, I've got these doubts, help me. Yeah. Then that's something different, totally different. Right. Yeah. But it, it can get confusing because there's a lot of voices, very loud yeah. voices that are, you know, meeting people who are in this struggle and saying, no, 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 I've been through this too. You need to just let it all go. Right. You know, you need to, you need to step away from it. Everything about Christianity is bad. And, oh, it's, that's just the lies Which of the enemy. It's so sad because there are so many parts of certain beliefs that are held by certain Christians that mm. are awful. And that's true. Yeah. that's the hard part about this is that that does need to be thrown away but it feels like you have to be all or nothing. Yeah. Like I was saying before, like it's just yeah. destructive to have to say, oh, you have to keep everything or you're 
it's just people get stuck in these black and white mindsets right. of like right. you can't if they question something then they question it all. Well, and yeah, that was my struggle. It was the black and white thing that I thought that I had to have it all figured out and I had to be completely right. When actually I think it's a lot healthier to be okay with standing right in the middle on a lot of things. If you don't know, yeah. it's okay to be like, I don't have this figured out right, right now. God's not requiring me to know the answer to this right now. Surrendering it to him. And when he wants to give us revelation about it, he will. And yeah. and he has for me on many things. I think the church needs to do a better job at kind of, it's like putting the table before them and just setting all these issues on the table and saying, you know, it's okay to talk about this stuff. Yeah. The hardest stuff, it's like we tend to to get locked into, and I'm not, hear me right on this. It's like we have our, our, our formularies in the church. You know, we have our creeds and all that, and that's, the church wrestled over that, and those things are, are good. But then we tend to say, okay, we have the creeds, so that's all we need. And so then the rest of this stuff, just we just have to kind of either set it aside or not deal with it, or it's it's not... It's just not, it's secondary importance, which in a sense it is. But even if it's secondary, it doesn't mean that we should shove it down and not talk about it. Well, particularly when these issues are coming up all the time, it's like Mm. you can't, I mean, the the better way to look at it is say, okay, these are the issues coming up. So how do we look at it in the context of of what we already know about who God is, what the church is discerned about who God is, and let's be self-reflective here. Mm-hmm. Let's look at how we have presented all this and maybe the problems with us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And have some humility um, about how we. <laughs> That's the humility thing is probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably, but... <laughs> probably. Well, for me on, on the whole you know, deconstruction thing, I, you know, I, I coming out of my own brokenness and also just the church environment I grew up in, not when I was a kid, when I was a kid, it was, I wouldn't say it was a particularly, um, <laughs> put this nicely, not terribly Bible believing in one sense. Um, maybe that's not entirely fair, but but in any event, when I came into faith as um, a Christian who was born again and encountering the Holy Spirit and all that, um, I really thought that what I was supposed to be as a Christian is that because of what Jesus had done for me, which is intensely incredible, that now my response to him has to be, I've got to be a good servant to him. Mm-hmm. That now my role as a Christian is simply to serve. That that's, that is what I have to do because of what he did for me. So it's like a transactional thing in that sense. There's a truth in that and that that I do want to return. It's good to, to give back to God what he's given to you. But the problem is then I got fixated in this. Now this is my duty, so I have to try hard to get it right. And if I don't get it right now, then God's going to get angry at me. And I don't want God to be angry at me because then I don't know what might happen, what, what could possibly happen to me. So is this, I get into this mindset of, of trying to make sure I was always getting it right, beating myself up when I was getting it wrong, and always trying to please God. Never crossed my mind during those times that actually maybe God doesn't think about me that way. Yeah. That actually he's all, and this is part of what, what in through my process of healing and encountering God as a loving father, that I began to see those, those almost simplistic views that I had. I began to see that actually, wait, that there's a lot more (laughs) to my relationship with God than that. Actually, he loves me 
for who I am. And he saved me because he loves me for who I am. Now he's taken me and changed me and is transforming me. But he's doing that because he loves me. And that I don't have to try to please him anymore because actually fundamentally I'm pleasing. And coming to know the, that, that I'm actually pleasing to him and loved by him. Actually, the effect of that has been for me to then want to to do things for him, for me yeah. then. So it's a response of love to him. Mm-hmm. I, I have much more motivation now to respond in that loving way to his love to me, for me, and to actually do things that I think hopefully are pleasing to him because I know yeah. that I am loved and that I'm fundamentally pleasing to him because I'm his child. Well, we love because he first loved us, right? Right. So if we don't actually know that he loves us, things are going to get a little bit, a little bit messed exactly. up. Exactly, and then our our theology, the way we think, and so that, in a sense, that's a, that was a deconstructing of almost a primitive way of looking at mm. my faith and relationship. But it wasn't just a destroying of something. Actually, it was a rebuilding or a in an augmenting yeah. what it is that uh, my relationship looked like, right. and how well, I experienced I, it. I think of it like like tearing down the things that were not really God, right. And getting down to that foundation of what's real, yeah, and then building up on the firm foundation. And we all have things that probably need to come down. And almost when I envision what just happened with you, or not just happened, what happened with you right. years ago, continuing, years and years continuing ago, to happen. Um, <laughs> but I think one really wonderful way of having this happen that maybe other people don't have the luxury of is when yours got. Your bad beliefs, I'm going to call them, got torn down. It was torn down by the love of God. Yeah, that's It wasn't true. like you tore them down and said, okay, I'm a fresh, you know, fresh mm, slate. That's, that's a good point. That's a very good and distinction. That's maybe the best way of going about it is like letting God's love redef- redefine our beliefs mm. and where we're coming from. Because otherwise, if we're just like, well, these are bad, which is... Maybe what some people need to do, I'm not sure. I feel like some people's process could totally look different and be that they need to just say, these are not good, and then God will start from nothing and build it. But how wonderful and seemingly more gentle that his love came in Mm -hmm. for you Hmm. and reformed and took down things like a bulldozer. Like his love is a bulldozer. And it, like left, it left the good things and it was like, right, these things right. aren't going to stay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and th- there are some definite moments of real sort of angst and anger that I found coming up in me. Oh, yeah. Some of the things that, <laughs> some of the things that I had, had thought were true actually weren't. It just shook my foundation. I mean, there's one moment when Shay and I were in New Zealand <laughs> at the Inheriting the Nations School with Father Heart Ministries. And it was actually right towards the end of the whole thing. So I'd been to three, it was three months and I'd been there through the whole three months. And I had this moment of crisis where I think it was um, our, our dear friend, Mark Head, um, who was part of leading that, that INS at the time. He just, it was funny. I always walked up to him and he asked me how I was doing and he just looked at me and he just carries the love of God in this amazing way. And something in me just went, wow. And I completely freaked out. And I, I came, saw it coming. I, I came back <laughs> to the room, I guess where Shay was. And I was just storming around and throwing things around and so angry. And you basically, you're just, like, this better be true or I'm out of here. That's right. Um, and you basically kicked me out of the room and told me to go <laughs> hike. 
go for a hike. He's, yeah, Take this up with Jesus. Shay's very good at that sometimes. <laughs> just like, I'm not going to deal with this. Go deal with it. Get, get this sorted out, um, which I did, which, which was good. But I think some people get to that place where they have this experience where just like me, suddenly God is showing them something different or they reach a crisis point or, or, the, or the, some question suddenly is presented to them and they don't know how to deal with it. And with me, I went and sorted it out with God or he sorted it out with me. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Um, for some people just say, ah, that's it. And it's saying, well, clearly my whole foundation is now ruined. And then because my foundation is ruined, then obviously everything is phony. So they, again, throwing the baby out of the bathwater. Right. They say that, okay, well, I've got to just start over from the beginning. Yeah. It's, it's tricky though, because, you know, some people are in a church congregation or a faith tradition that maybe really is very, very toxic and they need to get out of that tradition entirely. Whereas other people may be in a church where they've been offended or wounded by a person within it, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they need to flee, yeah. you know, and it, and it's hard because everybody's different, but there's no perfect church, no perfect denomination. There's always going to be somebody there, you know, it's going to be messy because right. it's filled with human beings. So any church is filled with people who have the capacity to hurt you, but to take stock of like what you know, what is the atmosphere here? Is it love? Yeah. Is it judgment? You know, because if it's judgment- like, Is this a healthy place? Right. Because God, I think that's the thing people forget is even if it's a church, if it's not a healthy, if it's like an abusive place, God does not want you there. He doesn't require like, you to stay there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I say abusive very intentionally because I think, yeah, there are places that yeah. are not abusive that we don't want to look for excuses to leave right. people. But if something is not healthy, I don't think God's like, I know he's not just desiring us to stay. Right. Well, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't expect someone to stay in an abusive marriage. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't ever want us to be in a place where we're being abused and our hearts are being damaged. Yeah. Right. But we need to think carefully about that because maybe it's, you know, one person who's hurting you. And you can stay in the situation and deal with whatever's hurting you, or maybe you do need to find a completely right. different. And, you he know, can and he can guide us, and that's the best thing is he can lead you. Yeah, yeah. and that's really where the specifics. Holy Spirit comes in. Yeah, yeah. Different people have different circumstances and different experiences with yeah. church and with faith. I always like to. Um, Someone might accuse me of gaslighting here, but I don't mean it this way at all. Oh, but goodness. It's like, no, but what, 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 <laughs> what I mean, a preface. <laughs> I, I know. Well, because I'm saying, you have to be careful. <laughs> what I mean is that sometimes you do have to ask yourself the question. So, okay, I'm being triggered here right. in this circumstance. So, God, is there something going on in my heart? Yeah. That's, that's causing me to respond in a particular that's way. That's an important question. So, I mean, there is that that has to be. But then, to be asked, but but there is legitimate kind of spiritual abuse things that happen. Mm -hmm, right. in the we're not talking about blaming the victim, but we're just saying right. we all have our own issues. Yeah, yeah. Where oh, maybe I reacted a certain way because what this person said said to me reminded me of my dad, an abusive or, parent, yeah, right. or something like that. And it, it may be more of an internal thing that we need to take to God. Yeah, right. It's probably. I wonder if it's like half half. I feel like what I've seen, it's like half half. Because sometimes. 
you can tell that a situation's unhealthy and you can leave it. And there will be someone there that's like, well, maybe you're just being triggered. And so it's, I feel like it's so interesting yeah. because yeah. you'll hear basically whatever isn't true is going to feel really abusive to your heart. Because <laughs> if you are in a bad situation and someone's like, oh, it's just triggering to you and you know that it's not true, it's going to yeah. feel so abusive. But then on the flip side, if it really is something that you are dealing with and it's more of a trigger for you and you're just blaming everyone around you, that's also bad. So it's right, there's right. no like rule as right. much. It's just asking the Holy Spirit, okay, which one is it? Am I, is this me or is this them? Right. How do I solve it? And I think he's so gentle in the way he guides us and yeah. so gracious. Um, you know, might not get the answer right away, but I think he does show himself in, yeah. yeah, in where to go and what to, how to, how to do things. Yeah. And you know, the truth is being triggered is an opportunity mm -hmm. because we get triggered for a reason. Yeah. So we can take that back to God and say, why, why is this so triggering for me? And that's where he comes in and he does a deep heart work. And then we don't have to be so reactive. That doesn't mean we stay in some place that's toxic, mm -hmm. but we can respond differently to the circumstances around us. Right. That's that's the key. Always coming back to God and asking him what's really going on inside of my heart. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And you know, we have prayed for a number of people though over, over the years who they've been in really toxic situations in their churches and they've come to us and said, "Am I crazy? Like am I right. am I crazy that this is going on?" And as we've heard them share things that are that are happening, we're like, "No." Yeah, you're, you're, you know, and you are you're, very you're not, free to leave. Not crazy, it's okay. <laughs> and I wonder if some people like, what if you guys were different? What if they came to you and you're like, "Yes, you are crazy. It is you." That, well, that's but you just do so get wild. that sometimes yeah. from um, from leaders in churches and, when people come to a pastor and say, "Hey, listen, this mm -hmm. is what I'm sensing," and they're like, "Nope, this is the way it is. You're here, you know." Yeah, and we've heard some awful, awful come in stuff you know, like fall that. in line, that kind yeah. of thing. Like you're just a troublemaker. You're stirring up trouble, but well, this is just why the Holy Spirit's so important because. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't hear the Holy Spirit in, you know, such a concrete way, like a lot of, a lot of people don't. And for a long time, I did not. I feel like just sensing him mm -hmm. and praying to him and asking him to clarify things and asking him to give you wisdom is so key with this kind of stuff. Because oh, yeah. sometimes it's, you can ask a gajillion people and they might all tell you one thing that's not true. Or it might be you. It's just so hard to know. That's why it's so, I think it's so important to have access to the Holy Spirit, which we all do right. because of Jesus. So it's one of those things where it's like, and going back to you know deconstruction, I think the same thing. It can be with the Holy Spirit, such a positive right. thing to look at your beliefs and be like, Holy Spirit, what am I believing that's in line with your heart? What am I believing that is so far from it mm. and that is actually more Christian culture, culture rather than your culture? Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not parentheses, but quotation marks. Yeah, whatever. yeah, quotes. Yeah, I. so I think asking the Holy Spirit in that is so yeah. key. So in my experience, one – I thought of I thought of another actually too, but the one time of evaluating beliefs that I can think of was actually pretty recently and – it was when I became more involved in the charismatic church and I was just so hungry and I wanted to learn everything. And in that process, I was listening to everyone. Mm. I was just I was just very open. And I was I've always been a very critically thinking person. So for me, and even when I was open to everyone, I was still 
praying about it myself for sure. Um, but there were moments that I was so desperate for truth that I was eager to take in things that only in hindsight now I'm like, that was a bunch of bogus. And it's not, it wasn't anything that was meant to harm me. And it was a lot of times it wasn't even from pastors. It was from people that were in the church as well. And we're also trying to figure it out. Mm. But I think it's been helpful to me to reevaluate some things I heard when I was so desperate and so eager to have guidance. Cause I was going through my own stuff. I just was so, I really wanted some people to talk, to speak into my life. One thing that I really had to tear apart was this belief that if I didn't hear God perfectly, then I was doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. If I didn't heal someone perfectly, I was doing something wrong. I really picked that up. And mm -hmm. I don't think it was maybe from pastors. I, I really feel like it was just from a culture or from people around me. But that has been – that's such a destructive belief. Like there is so much mystery in the supernatural and I took it all on as my fault. Um, yeah. So that's something that I feel like God has, God himself has stepped in and be like, we're going to kind of tear this apart a bit and this is not something that you are meant to be holding. Um, so I think that that was also a very positive deconstructing experience, if I can call it that. Mm, yeah. But then I also have had, you know, ones that weren't so um, – like I was remembering when I was in third grade or whatever, I was a very thoughtful kid, as I was saying, very critically thinking. And I went through a phase of questioning life in general and questioning truth specifically. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't say anything definitively. I had to preface every single sentence, sometimes every single word with this phrase I decided to use, maybe, maybe not, because it was... To me, that phrase defined how I was feeling. I couldn't say anything without questioning it. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, I admire my little brain because I <laughs> was pretty remarkable I was at seeing, eight years old or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, I think people didn't understand it. So they thought that I had some kind of mental disorder, perhaps, or OCD, or, you know, could have, I don't really, they just didn't understand. And now looking back, I wish I could have just come in and said, she just doesn't no truth. And she thinks that everyone around her does. She thinks that mm. everyone else knows for certain that the sky is blue when they say the sky is blue. And in my and mind, when I was knows. a kid, yeah, I was just thinking, well, what is blue? How do I know it's blue? How do, what, what, what is the sky? Like I couldn't say a phrase without trying to get down to the bottom of, is this actually true? And how mm. do I know it's true? Mm -hmm. I just thought everyone else had that confidence in everything they said. But then if everyone else has that confidence and you hear two contradictory opinions, what do you do with that? <laughs> I didn't even get to that point. I was just, yeah, I just was really, but I remember being, I still remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in our living room, my back against the back of the couch, falling down, um, like sitting on the ground, crying, talking to my mom. And I'm just like, I just don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if I'm a Christian, maybe, maybe not. Hmm. And she asked me, she's like, do you, do you still believe in Jesus? And I, I was like, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. Cause again, I couldn't even say, I don't think so. What is thinking? I couldn't say anything. Yeah. But then even when I said that something deep inside of me was like, no, I do. Like, mm. I remember being like, hmm. I actually do. 
and of course I still said the phrase, but I, I remember that point of my life. I feel like I broke down every single thing. And so maybe that's a bit, bit of a different experience from maybe some people because I was kind of starting from that point and building beliefs from there of what is truth and, and realizing that we're all trying our best. But even in my moment of being so down to like that zero level of confidence, there was something deep inside of me that's like, no, that's true. Mm. Like that's, that's something I don't want to let go of. Because that's what God's placed inside of you. Yeah. And that's what I pray for everyone because I don't think it's a bad thing to get to that point of what is truth and what is this world and what am I doing here? I don't think it's a bad thing to question like we were talking about or doubt, but I do hope for everyone that there is that that they hold on to that feeling that's like, no, this is good. Like mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Jesus is good and God is good. And and I don't know, maybe it's because I already experienced him as good. And I hope that other people can experience him as truly loving them and knowing that he is mm. really with them so that they don't feel yeah. like there's nothing left when they do that. Yeah. What, one yeah. thing that I found was really helpful, um, just reading through some different opinions on, on deconstruction was, um, I th- actually, I think it was in one podcast I listened to where they talked about um, deconstructing and and took it back to scripture. Because I've heard a lot of people say, well, no Christian should be deconstructing because, you know, Jesus didn't deconstruct. I was well, just going to read oh, some you, stuff you from there. Do that? So yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, obviously Jesus didn't deconstruct. He was God. He didn't need to. Yeah. But... He never had a bad belief in right, his life. Exactly. <laughs> he he is truth, actually. So mm-hmm. but this idea that we don't see it in scripture, but I think that we do. And I th- maybe that's where you were gonna go with it. Well, Bruce. if you just look in in Matthew, um, well, first of all, before we even get to that, I just think that what you shared, Janie, was really, really good in a sense that you you were so I mean, you were deconstructing everything. Yeah. Like like every element of your life, but what it all came down to, there was that, there was that, there was something in you that you knew was true. And, Mm -hmm. and that's like, I share, I mean, I think it's exactly what you're saying is that, that, that needs to be a prayer for people, Mm, that, that, that that truth, that seed, that kernel, you know, that God has put in our hearts, that that is not discarded. Yeah. And even if I can imagine other people because when I look back at that certain moment where I was like, no, I am, like I do want that, I could easily look back and think differently. Like I could in that moment be like, no, maybe that's not a real feeling. Like it would be easy to doubt even that. Mm-hmm. So even if you're listening or if you know someone that's you know, taken themselves, they've just doubted reality completely and they've also doubted God and they've just decided it's not real, that doesn't mean that the kernel's not there or that yeah. – Right. He won't make a way to show himself later because sometimes those moments are really confusing. Um, but yeah. So I think that if there is that kernel there, I really do believe God fights for us mm-hmm. more than we fight oh, against totally. him. And he does give us free choice, but I, I don't, he's not going to just, I right. really do believe he keeps fighting. And we can come beside people who are having those struggles and and we can be the physical presence of yeah. love of a loving God in their life as we carry Christ in us. And that's where it comes to, instead of moving into a place of condemnation of people when they struggle and doubt and are really wrestling with things, actually saying, 
you know what? Let's just sit down. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear what you're saying. Tell me more. Tell me more about what it is that you're struggling with right now. And you know what? Let's talk about it. Let's ask God about it. Yeah. Let's, let's see, let's see what, um, even scripture says about it. But maybe we maybe can, we're not in a place where we can even go there yet. But, yeah, maybe we can figure out just, what some of those heavy burdens are yeah. that you can set aside for now. Yeah, what's what's and and what's what's really going on in your heart? Yeah, right now, I want to talk to you. And, um, oh, okay, well, okay. I was just thinking about one thing too. Is I have a friend, um, a really close friend, who ended up going into a cult towards mm-hmm. the end of college. And one thing my mom said to me because it terrified me because I was I just was protective of her. Yeah. Um, is my mom said, she's like, Janie, she knows Jesus and you can trust her. Like you can trust God, you can trust her. And so I watched her go through this trauma of cult life. Like she pretty much cut, cut me out as well, just because they told her you can't really have right. a lot of people in your life. Um, Red but flag then, number one. Yeah, of a cult. yeah. But that's so, so sneaky. Like I love yeah. researching cults because they are sneaky as all. Like they mm. just know how to like pick at the – they know how to pick at you. Mm. They yeah. know how to like pick certain things that have been wounded in you. Anyway, this is not a cult conversation. But um, <laughs> the thing that I thought of is when my mom told me, she's like, you know, you can trust her and you can trust God and that he's in her. And she knows him. She knows God. And so I was like, okay, you're right. Even if she's in this situ- in this environment that's so awfully toxic and is it, it's just the worst. I I do know I did know that she knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that was what actually brought her through as well. Like once she got out of the cult and she called me and she's like, I'm out. Um she still knew Jesus and she still it was that colonel. She still knew mm-hmm. him and now it's been really beautiful because she has been like trying to trim away the beliefs from the cult uh, yeah. and yeah. all of the destruction that has been caused by that. But she's always known God. Mm. And so I think it's given me a lot of faith in the power of knowing God. And in that is, it's just given me so much confidence that even yeah. when someone is questioning, there is power in that kernel. Yeah. And Jesus is still Jesus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's way bigger. Than- yeah anything. So let's turn to Jesus for a second here. So that, um, so I I was about to say in just, if you look at really Jesus throughout the scriptures, what is he, what is he hardest on? Like who, who is he hardest on? He's hardest on the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the Sadducees, those people who, who should have known what they act, the core in the heart of, um, faith is of what relationship with God meant and, and looked like. And yet what had they done? They had systematized everything. They'd made everything about behavior. You know, they'd taken the law to such a degree that actually he, uh, to such a degree that they were being hypocritical right? and how they're acting. They'd allow their hearts to become hard. Yeah. I mean, he says, woe to you Pharisees over and over again. It's like you, you polish the outside of the cup, but then the inside, you know, it's all filled with, <laughs> with a mess. But in, in, in Matthew in five through seven, this wonderful teaching that begins with the Beatitudes and Jesus one by one takes various issues, which were clearly, um, um, issues in the day. And and Jesus is pointing out the problems of the beliefs that were being held at that time. 
and he's saying, no, this is what God actually meant. So, you know, well, you've heard, uh, this is in Matthew 5, but you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not commit murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother and second sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Well, I mean, ouch, that's some pretty strong language there. But he continues on with with adultery, with divorce, with saying oaths, you know, and eye for an eye teachings, things that had been incorporated into Judaism, which actually were not in alignment with where God's heart was for mm -hmm. them and what he'd been teaching. So in a sense, Jesus was deconstructing these belief systems that had, had religious structures, religious structures that had come into the faith. Uh, and, but Jesus didn't just say this is wrong. He said, and this is the right thing. This is, this is the way, to, honestly, this is the way to live in love. Right. He didn't blow it up and walk away. Right. And all these teachings are all about love. It's like, mm. so this is how you've been living, but this is the path of love. Mm. This is how you've been doing it, but this is the loving way to do it. And, and there's greater responsibility in it because love is serious, but it's the path of freedom. And so Jesus had to tear some things down in order then to bring back into the faith. And in some ways, he also says, you know, a new law I give to, you know, love one another as I have loved you. So this is a new thing that he brings in, which is actually part of the fulfillment of the original command to, to love God and love our neighbor, right? So you can't just say that, that there's no deconstruction, in a sense, in the Bible. The whole New Testament is about Jesus coming in and saying, I'm going to fulfill the law, and I'm going to show you now how to live in love, which is what God always intended for his people anyway. In order to do that, we've got we've to deal with some stuff here. Mm. We've got to tear some stuff down because it's just not healthy. It's not good for you. Yeah. It's actually preventing you from, from the fullness that I have for you and, and, and being my children the way that you've been designed to be. Well, it's like if you think about an actual building, if you're building something and you're not using, you know, proper engineering standards and, yeah. you know, it's unsafe, well, people are going to get hurt if they live there. Hmm. But if you, you know, maybe the foundation's fine, maybe it's not, but in order to have something safe there for people to live in, you're going to have to reconstruct it if you have gone about it the wrong way. Right. That's such a good analogy because it works on so many levels because today we're seeing what if someone had, you know, one electrical socket that's not functioning mm -hmm. and then they're like, tear the, tear the house down. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's on. all broken. And <laughs> Maybe yeah. let's just fix the socket. Yeah. Or, you know, or if, if the walls like, are crumbling. <laughs> yeah. Then it's just depending on, and it's all what you just said, like Jesus coming and being like, right. let's do this together. Let's see what we need to change here. His whole desire continually since before even creation is that, that we would know and experience the fullness of his love. And we can't do that when we're functioning or operating according to belief systems and structures that don't represent his love well. And then we're not going to be able to do that in our lives because we just don't know. So 
I just kind of wonder sometimes, and maybe not. I think I think the enemy gets in there and tries to pull people away from the faith very clearly. Oh yeah. But I also think there are times when God comes into our lives and says, "Hey, let's rethink some of this." Mm-hmm. And so there's an invitation uh, to become greater uh, in our being. Greater is the wrong word, but being more fully rooted and established in the truth of who Jesus is and who the father is and that we're his children. Mm. And there's, um, so I don't think we need to be afraid. I think some people are getting very afraid at all this deconstruction Mm. that's happening. I don't think we need to be afraid of it. We do need to ask serious questions about what, what are the things that are being quote unquote deconstructed? Is it the core of the faith or is it people's experiences within the church that have caused them problems? Are you putting onto Jesus the issues that you have right, and the right. hurts that you've received. And so Jesus is essentially getting um, all of this stuff heaped on him. And yeah. so then he gets rejected. You know, and it's challenging because different people mean different things by the word. Right. I mean, I know Christianity Today did a whole article on trying to define what deconstruction actually is. Um, and I look out there at, at different articles and different podcasts, and I've been amazed that they're so diverse. I mean, there's the ones that you start listening to it and it's all just Christian bashing Mm -hmm. and it's really not that helpful. And then you listen to the ones where it's someone who's come out of a really, really hard place, maybe even a cult. And yet they've come out with that, still having that kernel of faith that then they've built on and they're helping other people. So you can go drastically one way or the other. And, and, deconstructing I think is seen as kind of trendy in some circles and you know I our son attends a college in the a liberal arts college in the northeast and I mean it's pretty hard to find a Christian on that campus but boy you can find deconstructing groups right I'm like okay yeah and isn't there somebody you're saying actually is offering uh um a deconstruction um was it not counseling or whatever? Well, there's coaching, there's Co- yeah, coaching, coaching yeah. there's online courses, and some of them are really not. <laughs> they're the ones that just want to like blow up the whole thing. Right. I think that's the hard part is what a, in the best form of deconstructing, what a beautiful thing to have a deconstruction yeah. coach who could be like, let's ask the spirit together and see, uh, see if there's any beliefs that you're holding that are not of him. That would be so beautiful, but you know, but like, it's, that's the hard thing is if it's not, not done not in a that. good yeah. heart, it's, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it could be to, to really have a heart for those people that are deconstructing and meet them and say, how yeah. can I help walk with you through this? Yeah. It'd be a different kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That, that, I, that would actually be beautiful. I, in a way, that's sort of what the church should be doing yeah. all along, <laughs> no, right? That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, the long and short of it for us is that it, our hearts are simply, and God's heart is for those people who are are struggling. Maybe you're listening right now, and, and you're struggling. And I think we want you to know that that God loves you, and that He understands the questions that you have and the doubts that you may be dealing with. And and I know I feel I kind of like want to say you have permission to have those things. Yeah. That it's okay. Um. You know, I don't, we don't know what you might be struggling with, but, but, but God can handle it. But God can handle it. And and actually he's the one who's the answer. 
that he does have all the answers uh, that you need. And so don't throw him out of the equation. If the church has hurt you, if you felt uh, abandoned uh, by people, um, if you just don't feel understood, uh, know that Jesus always does. And you know, Jesus and even, will never leave you. Even if you've been told by people in your church that, you know, God rejects you because of your questions mm -hmm. or, you know, a worst case scenario that God hates what you're doing or, or whatever, that's not the truth. Right. It is not the truth. God hates nothing about you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can trust him. And right. he does love you. Yeah. He doesn't always like everything we do. Right. But fundamentally, us as human beings and as his children, he he loves us. Yeah. I think that's the thing too is in, in a moment of questioning or of doubting, I hope that you can feel the comfort of God's might and of trusting in his bigness because we all – I hope you feel comforted. We all have moments of having doubt, just like we were talking about, but you can rest assured in God's pursuit of you yeah. and in, in God's relentless love. Yeah. And if you want, you can even play you know, reckless love over yourself where God is going to chase you. And that doesn't mean that you need to purposely you know, run away from him, but I think there is someone maybe listening that if you're feeling scared that being in this place of questioning and doubting is going to permanently push yourself away from God. I just want to reassure you that God is so much bigger mm -hmm. and he is walking with you and he understands doubting. We can see how he did with Thomas. He understands doubting. And um, yeah, I hope you can, I hope you can understand how big God's pursuit of you is mm -hmm. and feel really comforted yeah. by he, that. And then he is a God who sees, he sees what you've been through. Yeah. And yeah, he's the only one who knows everything that you've been through. Mm -hmm. So let's pray. Janie, do you want to yeah, wrap I us do. up in prayer? Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus, I thank you that you are so good, that everything about you is great mm. and that we can see your character and your heart. And I thank you that you are wanting us to strip away all of these things that aren't of your character and that you never wanted us to be attached to, mm -hmm. no matter how we were introduced to them. I thank you that you're doing this work. And I ask for us and for the people listening that you would guide us in showing us truth and showing us where true joy and peace and love rests through your word and through your spirit. We thank you that you're so good. And I pray for the people who are listening, who are struggling with questioning and doubt. And thank you, God, that you've given the three of us the knowledge that it's okay and it's normal. But I also thank you, Jesus, that every person is unique and you know exactly how to meet the people listening exactly where they're at. Yeah with exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. So right now I ask that you go into the room and you put a comforting hand on their shoulder mm -hmm. and assure them that it's going to be okay and you're walking with them in this. They are not against you. Mm -hmm. You are for them and you are with them in this process, even in doubt, even in questioning, that you want them to see you. Yeah. So God, I pray that you show yourself in the way that you know how 
to each person individually. And I thank you for the gift of your presence. I thank Mm. you for that kernel that if we've said we love you, if we've said we believe in you, that that kernel is there. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are so good to keep pursuing us. Mm -hmm. And I just see you running like the father to the prodigal son. Mm. You just run and run and run. So right now we, we thank you for running towards us. And we, we forever love that. And we forever love you. And I pray for all of the prodigal sons who are just not sure if they want to go back. I pray for everyone who's questioning that they would know you and see you for your goodness because God, you are, you are really hard to resist when we see how good you are. So I pray that they would know you for who you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I bless everyone who's listening to this. I bless them in their journey. Mm-hmm. And we trust you. We trust you, God. You are big. Mm. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Janie. Well, I don't think we solved that issue, but <laughs> we, we had a good chat about it. Um, and we will probably keep chatting about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, we, we love that you're listening to this podcast. Um, if you could do us a favor by um, – what are the things they can do, Janie? I always forget. You can like it. You can subscribe. Subscribe. She's good at this too. Give us a review yes. um, on whatever platform yeah. you're using. That would be really helpful. You can definitely help us out by tuning in and doing all those little things because then it will help us show up more for you and for others. Yeah. So thanks again, and we will talk to you all next time. God bless. You've been listening to the What If We Loved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and also leave us a rating. It really helps us get the word out there. For more information about our ministry, Love Inside Out, please visit our website at loveinsideout.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.